The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, October 6th. I'm Terry Arango with my returning guest, Dr. Nancy Mullen. Our topic today, Part 2 of the Importance of Nutritional Treatment. Part 1 aired on September 29th and is archived. Dr. Nancy Mullen received her medical degree from Tufts, completed a residency in psychiatry and fellowship in child psychiatry at the University of Chicago Hospitals and Clinics, and began a private practice in adult and child psychiatry. Dr. Mullen attended the Chicago Institute for Psychoanalysis and was an associate attending physician at Michael Reese Hospital and Medical Center, where she became a clinical instructor in psychosomatic medicine. After coming to Los Angeles, Dr. Mullen joined the staff at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center and was a clinical instructor at the UCLA School of Medicine. She became an attending physician at Providence St. Joseph Medical Center in pursuing psychosomatic medicine. Currently, Dr. Mullen is practicing nutritional medicine and psychiatry in Burbank, treating children on the autism spectrum and adults with physiologically-based emotional disorders. Dr. Mullen, thank you for coming back. Oh, thank you for having me again. Dr. Mullen, is it all right with you if we just start off with a few news items? Absolutely. Okay. And for our listeners, I'm uh, referencing the website ageofautism.com, www.ageofautism.com, and I'm just going to catch people up on a few news items. Advocacy groups ask President Obama to order suspension of hepatitis B vaccine birth dose. Washington, D.C. National Vaccine Information Center and Talk About Curing Autism are calling on President Obama to order the immediate suspension of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommendation of the birth dose of the hepatitis B vaccine after two recent studies linking the hepatitis B vaccine to functional brain damage in U.S. male newborns and infant primates. In a related development, Today, that was the day of this blog, the United States Department of Health and Human Services, including the Health Resources and Services Administration and Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, announced that one in every 91 children are now diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder as reported in the November 2009 issue of Pediatrics. And they have uh, a link to an abstract for... A study, researchers from Stony Brook University published a research abstract for an epidemiological study in the September 2009 issue of Annals of Epidemiology, which revealed findings suggesting that U.S. male newborns vaccinated with hepatitis B vaccine had a threefold greater risk of autism spectrum disorders. So if you click on the link at Age of Autism, you'll be able to see 
that abstract and then scrolling up. Autism at 1 in 91 children. Safe Minds calls for Samarasol ban from seasonal and H1N1 flu vaccine. And now this is really, just really alarming. Autism prevalence, prevalence now at 1 in 91 children, 1 in 58 boys. Mm. So on Monday, October 5th, the Maternal and Child Health Bureau of Health Resources and Services Administration, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, released a study evaluating the number of children in the U.S. who currently have an autism spectrum disorder diagnosis. The prevalence of parent-reported diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder among children in the United States 2007. The study evaluated data from a national survey of children's health and found that 1 in 91 children between the ages of 3 and 17 currently carry an ASD diagnosis, 1 and 58 boys. Even more alarming for the subset of children between ages 6 and 14 immunized during the 1990s. The prevalence is actually 1 in 71 children with an autism diagnosis. Let me see if there's anything else we want to share at the moment. And ARI calls for an immediate federal response to the new autism figures released by the National Survey of Children's Health. Dr. Mullen, what do you think about all this? I think it's a total disaster, an utter total disaster. I I know that this is going to send feminists howling, but there is really not equality between males and females. And when we wipe out males at the rate of 1 in 58, we are just asking for, it's like, it's like the Republic of Rome, uh, you know, disintegrating. You can't just wipe out males like that. Um, yeah, yeah. And then some BS study comes out in the UK. Uh, they're trying to water down the signal. They're saying, oh, it's one in a hundred adults. So autism has always been with us at this rate. Well, well, I've got to ask a question. You know, this isn't about, uh, asking Dr. Mullen or asking Terry, hey, do you like the library or going to parties better? Do you rent or own your own property? You know, what I want to do is go back an extra generation from the adults that the UK surveyed and, and ask their parents, you know, hey, uh, were you cleaning up uh, poop off the walls X number of times uh, per <laughs> per night, or uh, was your child not potty trained till till uh, fifteen or ever? Were they nonverbal? Mm-hmm. Not not just uh, you know, did they like the library better than going to a party? Right, right. Also. Um... If they ask people, who, I mean, basically this epidemic started around 1987, is my understanding, with the increasing numbers of the vaccine, vaccines in the vaccine schedule. So uh, it's not a surprise that adults wouldn't show the increased incidence. All they had to do was um, just ask people over 40. You know, there really is a healthcare establishment and they are trying to maintain the status quo and that's why we're seeing these um, BS studies come out that just find nothing. So Yeah, uh, we're not we're not talking about and and this is not to minimize at all the challenges that adults uh, who are on the autism spectrum have, you know, in Socialization or 
um, residential situations or vocational situations or anything like that. This is not to minimize that. This is talking about what, as you say, like the health care industry or whatever political forces are trying to do to water down the signal to not take care of a generation of generations of seriously physiologically ill children, children with gastro with significant gastrointestinal pathology, um, children who whose whose stools are not formed, children who have uh, inflammation in their gut, children who are in pain from all of this, um, children who are nonverbal, who 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 can't keep themselves safe or independent. You know, not only not take care of them, but not change the vaccine schedule, not change the non-nutritional foods that are being put in in place in the supermarkets and, and in vending machines and schools, and uh, not change the number of toxins that are sprayed on plants and used every day and sold to us all the time for use in our homes. It's a whole, um, it's, called, it's sort of the medical industrial complex uh, imposing this on us. And now on top of it, healthcare reform that's going to water everything down even farther. So it's, um, the unfortunate thing is though that the powers that are in control of all this are really quite, are really quite well instantiated and very powerful. So unless we raise a racket that is significantly louder than the power that they have, we will not get anywhere. Well, i got to tell you something, Dr. Mullen. If it's always been this many people affected and this many people significantly impaired, including the adults, then I've got to think that a significant portion of Congress is dysfunctional. Well, no, that's not what I, what I <laughs> One meant. One in how many congressmen is dysfunctional? <laughs> okay, if it's always been the same amount? No, no, what I mean is that, the, so far as I can tell, the powers that be have always done, for example, this recent uh, financial debacle, okay, that was brought on by banks, banks and mortgage companies just taking advantage because they could. And my experience as I look back is they did that a lot. They, uh, they just did. There are taxes basically that are now going into place, um, that have been on the books since, the, that have not been enforced, but have been on the books since 1930. Well, guess what happened in the 1930s, the first Great Depression? And that was also caused by a kind of bubble. I mean, these things, there's greed out there, and the greed generates problems for us, the sheep. And our wool just gets shorn and shorn and shorn, and the dysfunctional members of the flock get tossed aside, you know, disregarded, and it's been that way forever. It's like it's the world. It's the way of the world. So I don't know. And and when you consider, okay, now, the theory of dualistic monism, okay, the yin-yang theory. Yang is good. Uh, yin is bad. You know, it's a theory of um, opposites, okay? And given, allowed to come to its resting position, yang is 20%. Yin is 80%. So you kind of have to expect in the world that things will be 
given unless some positive force is exerted on it, you're going to have a negative you're going to see negative influence and negative uh, negative things being promulgated. So that I've kind of gotten used to that. But um, we do have some obligation to exert a positive force and to um, to expand that force wherever possible. However, we are under the control of very powerful, very powerful, well instantiated political and financial industrial influences, and we just kind of have to, if we know that, then it's possible to do something about it, but we still, our power is quite limited. Well, I think our yin-yang is swinging around a little bit, because we're reading more and more stories now, such as we're in the Denver Post, fearful parents steering clear of swine flu vaccine, and you're finding this more and more now. There have been protests um, in in New York about uh, you know healthcare workers and the specter of mandatory flu vaccination. Let's get back to uh, something that you were talking about earlier, Dr. Mullen. Up, oh, we're going to get back to nutrition and orthomolecular medicine right after the break. When we come back to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel with Dr. Mullen, thank you to our sponsor Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Okay, we're back with Dr. Nancy Mullen. And Dr. Mullen, let's reiterate, what is orthomolecular medicine and its relationship to Dr. Abram Hoffer? 
orthomolecular has to do with the right molecules. It's, it has to do with um, supplying the, the body, the biochemistry that it needs to function correctly. So basically it has to do with treating the etiology, the cause of the problem, not the symptoms, not symptom suppression with drugs, but treating the biochemical cause of the problem. Um, what happened was during the 20th century, a number of, well, first of all, during the 20th century, the, the uh, term vitamin was first discovered and defined, and it was a biochemist named Robert, Roger Williams who did that. And then he worked together with a number of luminaries, um, Linus Pauling and, uh, and Abram Hoffer among them to put into place a kind of medicine that was not pharmaceutical medicine, but it was all, pharmaceutical medicine was coming into dominance already early in the 20th century and by the end of the 20th century it really had a death grip on medicine. Um, but, Orthomolecular uh, medicine and psychiatry uh, was started by these few pioneers who, uh, you know, just did not go along with the pack. And Hoffer is considered the father of orthomolecular psychiatry because he worked mainly among, mainly with psychiatric patients who, to treat them with something other than the tranquilizers that had been developed. We talked last time about how um, he used both tranquilizers and nutrition and then weaned the patient off the tranquilizers as far as he could without bringing back symptoms um, and that he got a more thoroughgoing and long-lasting and more natural improvement that way. So he's considered the father of orthomolecular psychiatry. And then ultimately orthomolecular psychiatry morphed into, segued into orthomolecular medicine uh, when these other clinicians and researchers like Linus Pauling and Roger Williams joined forces. What's been the resistance to this? What's been the resistance to orthomolecular medicine? Well, so far as I can tell, you either take a pharmaceutical or you take a um, you take a nutritional supplement, and uh, the there are very powerful, well well funded, well instantiated influences in the pharmaceutical industry that don't want us taking nutrition because it really does cut into their profits. Um, when when all that flare up happened about tryptophan, that was it was about 1987, and what happened was Prozac had just been brought out on to the market. Ah, yeah, right. Prozac being Ooh. a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Well, tryptophan had been used for years to increase the amount of serotonin uh, in your body and brain. And, and and Prozac was getting a very, very desultory response. People were not using it. So what happened was uh, that a contam one contaminated batch, but a big batch, you know, when, when these came over from Japan, 
Uh, and when when these things are imported into the country, they're imported in large amounts. So a large amount of contaminated tryptophan uh, came over from Japan, and a, a number of people got sick from it. I'm not sure of the figures how many people got sick, but that was it. It was just the chance that the FDA wanted. And they went in and pulled all the tryptophan from anywhere um, off the health food store shelves, and um, and then the pro the sales of Prozac skyrocketed, just skyrocketed. But um, what happened was, after a number of years, uh, then compounding pharmacists and others, you know saw that they weren't going to be able to get tryptophan back, and they they uh, compounded 5-hydroxytryptophan, and then that got onto the shelves. But it was like five times more expensive than, um, than it had been before. Uh, but nonetheless, I think it's a pharmaceutical industry just protecting their market share. And there, there have been all these issues with Codex. They're trying to restrict nutritional supplementation? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no question where their hearts are. Their hearts are in their pockets. I, I just, it's, it's, it should not be disillusioning to me anymore. I mean, I learned all these things a long time ago that that's the way it was. But, you know, my, my outrage is stirred every time it comes up again. Right. Or anyway. For those listeners who would like to look that up, it's spelled C-O-D-E-X, Codex, um, about all of the political stuff going on to try to restrict uh, consumers' access to nutritional supplementation, which will naturally Im- help immunize you. Um, so, Dr. Mullen, Dr. Hoffer's work was continued by Dr. Carl Pfeiffer. They worked, they worked at the same time. They were contemporaries. And they did something like the same work, but not really. Uh, Hoffer uh, mostly worked with niacin and other vitamins working and diet, as we discussed last time. And that was September 22nd. It wasn't the 29th. 29th was Chef Wendell. But anyway, um, what happened was at the same time, Pfeiffer was working in the U.S., in New Jersey, I think, um, and he was the one who first started paying attention to methyl groups. Methyl groups are one carbon, three hydrogen atom uh, molecules, the transfer of which on a biochemical moiety can completely change the, um, the action and the character of the biochemical moiety in question. That's a molecule, right? Molecule, okay. yes, yeah, a biochemical molecule. Um, for example, neurotransmitters are both formed and deactivated by the addition or removal of one carbon atom. So he, but what Hoffer noticed was that there were folks, you know, they were studying all excuse me, what Pfeiffer noticed with the, with regard to one carbon molecules was that there were some people who were High histamine, had high histamine levels in their blood, and histamine is an amino acid that's re- that is released by mast cells and other cells in your immune system to, to um, cause 
they cause an acute inflammatory response in the area of secondary to allergy or other immune system stimulation. And they release histamine, and um, which is useful in the short term, but really problematic in the long term uh, if, if uh, the response is stimulated and stimulated and stimulated. Well, they notice, and histamine is also a neurotransmitter. It is one of the chemicals in the brain that transmits um, uh, information from one nerve cell to another. So it's important to get your uh, histamine levels right in your body. Well, histamine is deactivated by methyl groups, those one-carbon molecules. So um, Pfeiffer noticed that there were certain individuals who had high histamine levels and other individuals who had low histamine levels, higher than normal and lower than normal. And he started characterizing what the symptom complex was for each group and how to deal with it. And the high histamine individuals, he gave methyl group, he gave supplements that were, were methyl donors to and um, so that it would break down the histamine. And the low histamine groups, he strongly restricted those supplements which were methyl donors in order to preserve the histamine that they already had. And um, and that work was part of what he did to try to correct a mental disorder that was so problematic and so disabling in the mid-20th century when he was working. Mid and, mid and, and kind of I think he died in the early 80s or something like that. Um, so he was like, he was really a mid-20th century person. But anyway, so he did that, and then he also, um, there, there are certain pyroles called cryptopyroles, which are not the same urinary pyroles that we are now testing for high mercury and lead levels, you know, the ones that we're sending over to laboratory, laboratory Philippe Dust. Porphyrin. Porphyrin, uh, yes. So what are pyroles? Pyroles are a different kind of chemicals in the, that are found in the urine. They're cryptopyroles. And uh, it has to do with a metabolic, probably genetic uh, issue in the person, in the individual. Oh, let's pick up with this thought when we come back from break on the Voice America oh. Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart, the program that takes you on a journey through grief after the death of a child. Join Dr. Gloria Horsley, marriage and family therapist and bereaved parent, while she interviews and discusses with other bereaved parents and siblings how they have coped with the death of a child and gone on to create and realize new dreams. So tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart with Dr. Gloria Horsley, right here on Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. And before the break, Dr. Mullen, you were talking about uh, the work of Carl Pfeiffer, and you began talking about pyrroles. Right, cryptopyrroles in the urine. And basically what happens is these are molecules that grab both zinc and B6 and excrete them from the body at higher than normal rates. So, so, uh, if, so these... It really, cryptopyrrol, the testing of cryptopyrrol did not really catch on. And um, the uh, the only place I know where it's done is the Pfeiffer Treatment Center. And then Anju Usman, who is well-known in dance circles, um, she uses them. But she worked at Pfeiffer for, you know, she was a consultant for them for a number of years. So Usman uses them. Uh, the rest of us kind of just make sure that the person has enough zinc and B6 on board. They're, when you're working with, when you're doing biomedical therapeutics, there are only so many tests you can do. Only, only so many tests that, you know, the, before you get lab testing and digestion. So you need to pick your lab tests kind of carefully. Um, I think that Andrew knows how to use cryptopyrroles in a way that the rest of us don't. But the rest of us just kind of dose zinc until we get the right level in the body, and then we hold it there. And B6 is somewhat more controversial. It, a B6 is an integral part of the DAN program, but Yasko, who has a further refinement on um, methylation biochemistry, uh, has made the observation that B6 upregulates a certain enzyme, the CBS enzyme, which which 
if it is upregulated, it grabs substrates from the methyl, from that methionine cycle. It grabs them and drives them down the transsulfuration pathway, which unbalances both the production of methyl groups, because that's the job of the methionine cycle, and the detoxification of, of heavy metals, it, uh, because that's the production, that's the job of the transsulfuration pathway. Okay, so wait a minute. Um, if you, and if you, if you have an issue with, uh, CBS gene mutation, then you're not going to handle sulfa, uh, preparations as well, are right. you? Right, either, either. Right, exactly. The transsul, if the CBS enzyme, if your CBS enzyme is, the, if the gene that encodes for the CBS enzyme is upregulated, then, um, then it will snatch the substrates out of the methylation cycle and drive them down the transsulfuration pathway. And that's the pathway that makes glutathione. So you really want that pathway in balance. But if your CBS is upregulated and B6 further activates that CBS enzyme, um, then you won't want a lot of B6. You want enough, but not any extra B6 on board so that you can balance the, your production of glutathione. Okay, so if, if you suspect that your child has been showing some sort of um, difficulty with something like DMSA, is this something that it might be good to consider testing? Everybody has trouble with DMSA. One dose of DM, oral DMSA will give uh, just about anybody a flaming yeast infestation. Salt, yeast loves that sulfur. So that's why they went to transdermal forms, and now I think they're using suppositories in order to try to keep that, that uh, yeast response as low as possible. DMSA is just trouble. Um, but uh, yes, if you have if you have a a CBS mutation that or yes, if you have a CBS or an SUOX mutation and you dump a lot of sulfur into your body, either with alpha lipoic acid, which is sulfur containing, or DMPS or DMSA or any other garlic or any other sulfur containing. Uh, uh, you know, molecule, then you will upregulate that CBS. You'll you'll unbalance the transsulfuration pathway, and uh, and make trouble for yourself. However, I was I do Dan whenever I can. If the patient has not done well on Dan and is coming to me for the Yastro protocol, of course, and I don't try it. And if I see that the patient is Really, um, you know, really a, a relatively, you know, moderately to severe autistic person, then I don't try. I, I really um, get the genetics so that I can supplement intelligently. But other than that, I do try Dan. I try the Dan protocol first uh, because it's easier and cheaper and parents you know, your or your average parent can relate to it better, and you really will be able to take care of about 
of the kids that come to you uh, with the DAN protocol. I, I do know children who have recovered. I do know uh, parents who have used uh, DMSA and DMPS with their kids and um, haven't had the types of reactions that some other kids have right. had. So, uh, you know, I've interviewed parents where um, they've done multiple interventions and said everything helped and there were no bad reactions to everything. And then there were other kids who were more sensitive and who were tougher cookies. It depends on the state of your gut, among other things. I mean, if you have a really good gut, you're in a whole lot better shape to uh, to handle the interventions of either protocol. And um, gut is central, as we talked about so much last time. Let's let's um, backtrack a little bit and then get to gut right afterwards. Let's talk about the Pfeiffer. Research Institute in Chicago, where Dr. William Walsh founded that. You were talking about Dr. Usman consulting for them. So what did Dr. Walsh do, and and how does all of this, what you said previously and what Pfeiffer has done, apply in a practical um, manner to ADD, ADHD, autism spectrum disorder? Well, uh, Walsh continued the work of Carl Pfeiffer after Pfeiffer died, and um, and they were some of the first to be treating uh, children. First, they started treating um, adult uh, or adolescent mental patients. And so that's not only ADD, ADHD, but it's... Um, Which, by the way, I don't like to call mental. Yeah. <laughs> or can, uh, they started treating them, but also they were treating schizophrenia and bipolar and all of the really difficult... Um, all of the really difficult... Uh, of psychiatric disorders, but then when autism started to burgeon, they naturally started to treat autism, ADD, ADHD, and uh, pervasive developmental delay, and they're, st- and they're still doing that. They are using cryptopyrroles, and they are using tests that the rest of us um, don't use, and that, that Dan, the Defeat Autism Now uh, protocol, protocol chose not to use it's just um, it's just a historical artifact, they, and they just may know more about how to use the cryptopyrrole test. Because uh, my understanding was, you use it once, you find out if the person is high cryptopyrrole, and if they are, you give them zinc and B6, and then you retest to see that it has come down. Uh, but but Usman. Usman tests on an ongoing basis, so she, they may and she may know how to use it in a way that the rest of us simply do not, but the rest of us chose not to use it because the number of laboratory tests you can get on any particular patient is limited, and, and we just feel there are more essential tests out there. But, but uh, basically, the Pfeiffer Institute is using... A combination of their protocol and the Dan protocol. They didn't used to pay a lot of attention to the gut. Now I think they're paying more. Yeah. Um, Tell us about uh, metallothionine and the copper-zinc ratio. Okay. Metallothionine is a protein that is made, in, among other places, in the gastrointestinal tract, and its job is to grab onto toxic metals and Take and excrete them, tie them up and excrete them. And um, it can't function without zinc. 
Uh, and so the zinc is, that's why zinc is tremendously important in any of these protocols. Um, well, copper is a, copper tends to build up in the body when heavy metal, heavy metal, toxic metal transport is impaired by mercury, for example. Mercury induces heavy metal transport disorder, metal transport disorder, any kind of metal. And um, copper is one of the metals that tends to build up in the body when your the transport of heavy metals in your body is is uh, impaired. Um, zinc getting the zinc copper ratio. Zinc you should have about ten percent more zinc in your body than you have copper, uh, and both both minerals should be within the normal range and that's the perfect copper zinc copper ratio i think one of the reasons and and um it in the dan protocol uh copper zinc that we pay a lot of attention to it we pay a lot of attention to it in the yasco protocol also but the yasco protocol i i have less trouble with it it just uh seems to uh, balance itself when you um, when you get the rest of the biochemistry right, so um, it, there are sometimes problems getting zinc high enough in the body. Certain individuals, no matter how much zinc you put in, um, you can't get that zinc level up, and so that can be an issue. But the problem is, the problem is two things. Uh, it's that um, uh, that zinc over 40 milligrams can stimulate what are called NMDA receptors, and they are excitotoxic. So you don't want to do that. Anyway. Okay. Let's hear about the other one when we come back from break here at Voice America. We'll be right back. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. 
If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh, There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Okay, before the break, Dr. Mullen was talking about zinc and the two problems with zinc. One, it's hard to increase it in the body, really. And then second of all, it messes with your NMDA receptors. Right. Some, for some patients, you can just pile on the zinc and still find that it is not increasing in the body. Um, for that, you want to try to use different forms of zinc, and, uh, and then you just have to get other factors in balance before that zinc will increase. The second problem with zinc is that uh, over 40 milligrams a day, which a lot of kids are taking, can be excitotoxic. The NMDA receptors are produce excitotoxicity, and zinc over 40 milligrams a day can stimulate stimulate those receptors and add to stims and other problem neurologic behaviors. So you're, it's really important to get the whole the child uh, biochemistry balanced and not just run zinc up to astronomical levels. You know, Dr. Mullen, I got to think, or suspect, or imagine, that most mainstream pediatricians don't know most of what we've been talking about in this show, so how they can they be treating our children? They don't have a clue, and what they're doing is they're doing pharmaceutical medicine. They're doing what they were taught in school and what their drug reps who come around tell them to do, and I'm talking about... Um, pediatricians like in practice, you will, you can hunt down the occasional pediatrician who will know more, but most of them are doing well baby checks and otitis media, and, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, uh, catastrophic. It is. It's a big problem. It's a big problem, but you know, I, uh, they say when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Any parent who's looks at the system and says, you know, this is messed up, uh, can get off that path and can go out and find a naturopaths and other clinicians, nutritionists and other clinicians who will help them with a host of problems and show them how not to get, how not to have their kids get otitis media and other, uh, other issues and how not to get vaccines. Well, I would say... If you're going to say when the 
student is ready, the teacher appears, then when the pediatrician is ready, the right parent to teach him appears. Okay, let's <laughs> talk about the gut. Okay, wait, just one other thing, though. It's my understanding that the the active ingredient in flu vaccine is the mercury. Well, I would I would say that it's the antigen, but that the mercury is uh, used to give it a boost. Is that what yeah. you mean? Well, sometimes aluminum is given it, right. used to give it a boost. Um, I'm, not, I'm not positive about this because that's, uh, that is simply what I heard. But for some reason, they are not taking the mercury out of flu vaccines. I've, so, I've heard, I've heard that, that some don't have it. I've heard that some don't have it, but as I always say, it doesn't mean that's the only problem. It is vaccine. not the only problem. Okay, so let's get back to and, and the other adjuvants that can be used can be uh, horrible, too. Formaldehyde so, and monkey pus and all that. Okay, well. The, the oil-based adjuvants, things like that were in the anthrax vaccine. So let's talk about the gut and um, how essential it is to have the gut in good order and how that affects cognitive state and everything else we've been talking about. Okay. Okay. <laughs> in five minutes. Yeah. Um, okay. The gut. Uh, well, obviously the gut. Wait. Ask me. We've been talking about the gut. We talked about the gut the whole last time, practically. Uh, ask me your specific questions. What about the gut? What are you thinking? What's the influence? Well, first of all, you said that other interventions we've been talking about in this show, that the better state your gut is in, the better off you are insofar as being able to use the other intervention. Okay. All right. So, obviously, if your gastrointestinal, if your internal and gastrointestinal milieu has the right bacteria and um, is the right pH and you, and you do not have leaky gut so that you are not getting allergic to the foods that you eat, that's important because food allergy can cause all kinds of symptoms, including behavioral symptoms in these kids. If your gastrointestinal tract is digesting your food correctly, it, one of the problems is heavy metals um, dismantle enzyme systems. There are very important enzyme systems in your gastrointestinal tract that you need not only to break your food down into molecules that your body can use to supply itself with nutrition, with vitamins and calories. If your body isn't doing that correctly, then you're going to be nutritionally depleted and you will not run any of the biochemistry in your body very well. If you're, if you're not getting the nutrition and the calories from your food, if you're not able to bring them across your gastrointestinal mucosa into your body peacefully, um, then beyond that, the organisms in your gastrointestinal tract, if those organisms are not optimal for your body, if there's an overgrowth of yeast, you will have a whole, yeast makes acetaldehyde, and acetaldehyde is one of the breakdown products of ethanol, and you will, you'll be overtaxing your liver, and that's just one possible metabolic byproduct of a wrong organism in your gut. Um, the, uh, your gut has to be sending 
reasonable metabolic byproducts to your liver for your liver to process or the or toxins will build up in your body and some of those toxins will be neurotoxins will impact the function of your brain that is a really well known phenomenon in the case of uh you know hepatotoxicity from other organic causes that has been known for a long time then the other thing is for example strep Strep is, a, is an, an overgrowth of strep, and this doesn't have to do with metabolic byproducts. It has to do with the antibodies that your body produces to the strep. Those antibodies can cross-react with, uh, the, uh, with antibodies, with antigens in your brain, and you can get, you can get tremendous pandas and other neurologic syndrome. We, we better let people know what PANDAS is, pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder associated with streptococcus. Right. It's an, uh, basically an obsessive-compulsive uh, rapid-onset disorder that if you are growing strep in your body and your body, it's one, it's, uh, it's one particular kind of strep that produces exactly PANDAS, but there are other less well-defined syndromes that can be produced by other kinds of strep in your body. And by the way, I think there's a book out now called Saving Sammy, I think is what it's called, and it's by a woman. Her first name is Beth, and her son, I think at 12 years old, like suddenly developed uh, Tourette's OCD behaviors. It was really debilitating, and um, she found out that he had strep, he had pandas, and was able to lick it with, um, with antibiotics. Right. Uh, that's one of, that's easily the first recourse and, and many, believe it or not, some pediatricians don't know about pandas now. They don't test for it. Sometimes I'm the first doctor when a patient comes in who's ever, of all the doctors they've been to, I'll be the first one to test for pandas, which is crazy because I'm really, you know, down the line as far as doctors they, to take your, your child to. So, well, listen, Dr. Mullen, you were talking about um, hepatic encephalopathy yeah. and how that's well-known in other diseases. Right. But mainstream medicine treats our kids like they don't treat them like any other patient. They don't treat them like any other individuals. They Once you get that autism diagnosis, everything is because of autism. You have raging diarrhea, it's because of autism. They don't look at the underlying physiology, and that's what they need to do. They need to respect these children as individuals, as people, as patients, as anyone else who would come into any other doctor's office. Absolutely. It's not very thoughtful. What's happening in doctor's offices today is not very thoughtful. Well, Dr. Mullen, thank you for sharing this information about helping children on the spectrum with targeted nutritional intervention. Thank you. Next week, the Parent and Physician Partnership for Healing Our Children with Kendall Stewart, Dr. Kendall Stewart, and Lisa Hunter-Ride. Dr. Stewart and Lisa will join me to talk about the parent-physician team approach to recovering a child from autism, even in times of regression. Lisa will share how her son, Jake, recovered from many sensory issues and clinical symptoms such as heavy metal, metal toxicity. Dr. Stewart will discuss immune function and how he treats the source and not just the symptoms. Lisa will discuss how important it is for parents to document behaviors at home and school and communicate milestones with their child's doctor. And other topics will include laboratory biomarkers and pathogens. 
Don't forget to visit the um, site about orthomolecular medicine, www.orthomed.org, especially because the Canadian Society of Orthomolecular Medicine is hosting a public lecture on Friday, October 30th in Toronto featuring Dr. Kenneth Fox. Don't forget about the Autism One Autism Canada conference in Toronto that same weekend, October 31st, November 1st. You can see more information there at www.autismone.org. Dr. Mullen, what's your website? Nancy Mullen, M-U-L-L-A-N, M-D.com. N-A-N-C-Y-M-U-L-L-A-N-M-D.com. Very good. Dr. <laughs> Mullen has a wealth of information on her site. Thank you to this program's sponsor, Enzymedica, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Enzymedica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program. Brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.